0: Is your church thriving? Are your ushers cramming 25 people into 10 person pews? Have you had to trade out the offering plates for fishing nets just to hold all that cash? Does your kids' ministry make Disney World look like the playground at a 1980s McDonald's? We We didn't didn't think so. so.
1: Do you want to see your dying church climb out of the grave? Would you like to 10x your attendance in as little as three weeks? Do you want your worship team to sound like you two and Coldplay had a baby? Sign up for our catalytic leadership Orange G level up revival explosive growth conference. We will hear words like vision, exponential,
0: deconstruction, reconstruction, strategy,
1: survey, guitar. guitar, pipeline, leadership, gospel. Uh,
0: uh, don't don't say, don't
1: that. say gospel. Yeah, say
0: love. love. That's right, pastor, we can help you take your church from fussin' to bussin', from doomin' to boomin', from hurtin' to flirtin' with success.
1: Sign up today and get ready to level up your preaching, kick your kids' ministry in gear, identify your compelling vision, whip up your worship team and watch the growth train pull into the station. I hope you haven't been tempted by schemes like that. But Have you ever wondered if there was more you could do to help your church grow? And if it doesn't, are you failing? On this episode of Rural Pastors Talk.
0: Well, welcome to Rural Pastors Talk. This is a podcast urging Christians to see the strategic value of the rural church for the glory of God and to serve her faithfully. I'm TJ Freeman. I'm a rural pastor serving at Wellsboro Bible Church as the lead pastor, and I am joined by some
1: brothers. Hey, I'm Joe Wagner. I am a rural pastor serving in the capacity of MAD on staff here at Wellsboro Bible Church. What's going on, guys? My name is Joshua McLaren. I am a rural pastoral assistant serving here at Wellsboro Bible Church.
0: Well, good to be together, brothers. Truly. Glad you feel the same way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I kept looking for my next line. That's all
0: right. Hey, if you're like most rural pastors, you felt some pressure at some point to see your church grow and maybe the word pressure feels almost like an understatement. Maybe your church actually hired you because they thought that bringing in a you fill in the blank young hotshot pastor, a seminary grad, a man with a family, whatever, that bringing in a person like that would help their church grow. And you got in and you've been faithful, but the church just hasn't grown and people are starting to talk. Or maybe you've seen the churches around you growing. And you're happy for them. You're glad to see that there's growth in the church, but there's a part of you deep down inside that feels like you're almost maybe in the shadow of someone else's ministry. You're wondering if you're doing something that's holding you back.
1: Maybe you have been working so hard and you've seen some incremental growth and this church is starting to grow, but then it's like you're taking one step forward and two steps back. All of a sudden, it shrinks again. And no Mm. matter how hard you work, it just doesn't seem to be working. Maybe you're even at
0: the point where the pressure is getting greater because you know that if things don't change, the church is not going to be able to pay you what they're paying you right now. And on anything less, your family would not be able to survive. You know, the modern evangelical movement has done its best to teach us that healthy churches are going to grow. And there are all kinds of products on the market that they will sell you that they promise will help your church grow um when i was planning churches it was just driven into our heads that healthy organisms grow and that unhealthy organisms die so it was just like if you're a healthy church you absolutely will grow you should teach that you should preach that you should expect that but is that true should all churches be growing churches, and if your church isn't growing, does that mean that you are somehow failing well we 're going to answer that question in a way that should encourage you, no matter the size of your church and uh to start us off, we have a question
1: first question do all healthy churches grow that's a good question, that is a good question
0: yeah is that that statement true that that was driven into my head that all healthy churches grow Because we've compared it to an organism and said that if if an organism is healthy, it will be growing. Therefore, all churches should grow. Is that true, you think?
1: Well, let me tell you a story about a tortoise. Okay. There was a tortoise on some island. at Galapagos. We'll call it Galapagos. Mm -hmm. You know how old that tortoise was? No. 150 plus years old. Mm. And that turtle had grown from a little tiny turtle into a great big turtle over a span of 150 years. Tortoise? Tortoise. Mm -hmm. And nobody who was there saw all of that growth happen at once. So maybe one of the first things that we ought to understand is that maybe you aren't seeing church growth, but we are looking at too short of a time span.
0: Mm. That's that's absolutely a possibility. For sure. That's good. Um, There could also be the thought that just because like healthy things tend to grow doesn't mean that that's always the case. Um you can be yeah, just to pull out of that analogy that all healthy things grow, thinking about the church, you can be in a church where growth is not likely and that doesn't mean that the church is not healthy. Right. So there could be a lack of numeric growth. You haven't had a visitor in 20 weeks. You know, you you haven't seen a new member In years that is probably not normal but it it is not necessarily a mark of not being healthy would you guys agree with that or disagree
1: i think so there are a number of of different um there are a number of different things that could go into that as well maybe you're in a such a small town Mm -hmm. and there just isn't anybody new that's right that comes in for church growth yeah because you might somebody might argue
0: something like hey if people are preaching the gospel and inviting people, then they will come. And if they're not doing that, then that's not healthy. I don't think we can assume that people will respond just because the gospel is being preached. I mean, you may be in a small town where it literally the population is declining. It's mm-hmm. not increasing. People are leaving. They're not coming back in. And you've shared the gospel with your neighbors and your family, and you continue to do that. But you can't control the fruit of that, right? You, right.
1: you can't make them come. To church. What you can do is you can lay down a foundation. Right? Mm. As the pastor, you are preaching the gospel. You're laying down that foundation, that precious foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3. Um, he starts off because they're arguing, and the, probably the context there is church growth, but the context there is the pastor doing a good job. We like this pastor better than this pastor. Mm. He says, "Who? what then is Apollos? What then is Paul? They're both servants through whom you've believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And then he goes on to talk about the foundation that he is laying down as the pastor there. So lay down that foundation and and let God be concerned about the increase as the Holy Spirit works in the lives of those people That your people are then witnessing and ministering to. I think that that ties into what you were saying.
0: Yeah, I I think it absolutely does. You know, as we often say here, the mark of of good pastoral ministry is not visible fruit, but faithfulness. And hopefully, in God's kindness, there is some visible fruit. But I think about missionaries who were on the field and wrote in their journals that they didn't know if they would see a single convert or any kind of visible fruit from their work, but that they were willing to lay down a foundation for the next guy. And we need to be thinking that way as rural pastors. Think
1: of some biblical examples, even Jeremiah or Mm. Habakkuk. At the same time, we're living in a very dry time.
0: Yeah, that's right. And and in rural places, I think we often, you know, we, we see things happen in the world around us, and we think, I'd like to see that here, or we read books and they tell us these things should be happening, like like growth, for instance, and here's how you do it. If you try to apply those things in a, a little rural town, you're going to just confuse people. You're going to lose equity with, with the community. And you need to think about that and just recognize the thing I'm shooting for is not a growing church. I don't need to feel like I walk into a gathering of other pastors and be able to say, oh, yeah, our church grew this year uh you know
1: here's an idea as well let's just say that you've got a church of 20 to 30 let's just call it you got a church of 25 people there and they've been coming there they've been arriving and attending faithfully for 50 or 60 years Mm -hmm. let's not assume that they're all christians amen that maybe some of that growth is a the true conversion of the people that are already there Mm. yeah
0: which is so huge also, in the same same vein, maybe those saints that are in your church are aging, and you're going to be the shepherd who just faithfully buries them. And they're doing their best. They've served Christ for a lifetime, but it's a congregation of people in their 60s to 80s or, or older than that, and you're just there to faithfully care for them. You,
1: you literally are their gift.
0: Th- yeah, that's right. And shouldn't saints who have faithfully served the Lord for a lifetime have a high-quality pastor? there to minister the gospel to them, to care for them, to visit them, and to bury them, uh, and to comfort their families. Yeah, I
1: don't know how encouraging that sounds, brother, if you're in that situation, but just let me attest to you how encouraging that really is. Like, mold, We're not saying that that's what you're about, but like, even just mull that over, and the beauty... And the wisdom of our God in doing that mm-hmm. of a sovereign God.
0: And the kindness of God and to give kindness. give that congregation a shepherd like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a huge mark where we would say, your church may not be growing. In fact, you might be burying people regularly. That does not mean you're in a bad situation, an unhealthy church. You may have a hard walk in front of you, a difficult journey, but that's what the Lord's called you to. And you know, you, if you're dreaming about the growth of the church instead of just caring for those saints, you might actually be doing something wrong. So that leads us to the next question. Is church growth always good?
1: No. It depends upon what you're calling the growth. Are you you talking about true conversions or are you talking about attendance? Filling up those rows, putting people in the pews. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's where you can get it wrong.
0: I, I remember when I was church planting, one of the tactics we were encouraged to try was giving away like radically expensive stuff mm. for special services like Easter. So you'd tell people, hey, we're giving away two hundred fifty dollar gift cards or we're giving away an Xbox or whatever. And you come to the service, you've now drawn a crowd. Now in God's kindness, he could use something like that. People may have gotten saved through those kinds of things, but that's a gimmick. You know, so I think we need to steer clear of the kind of growth that would seek to draw people in through gimmicks. Um, you know, there's a, a a church that I won't say the name of that is very famous for drawing huge crowds because their pastor just tells people what they want to hear. That's another example where you could grow this massive audience to come listen to your ears being scratched, you know, scratching, itching ears. Or
1: you could emphasize the wrong things. You could emphasize good things, but they're not the primary thing. Mm. Let's um, walk out on that narrow branch. You could emphasize your children's ministry and Christmas program Yeah, and get everybody's grandkid to come on up there and um, say a couple lines and sing a couple songs, and then people come out of the woodworks. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, you could have a kid's ministry that looks like you're walking into Legoland, and every kid wants to go there, and they'd be bored going to any other church now because you've spoiled them with this high-intensity, whatever, feeling. And then, by the
1: way, what happens to those kids when they get dumped into the normal church service? Like, well, they don't go. Well, what happens to them when they actually grow up and are faced with temptations to overcome and they realize this didn't mean anything. This was more about Legoland than more about than, about Jesus. And yeah. so that generally weakens the gospel understanding, I That's would right. guess.
0: I think so. So church growth isn't always good. But, you know, the way we're talking, somebody could start to think, well, is church growth bad? No. Well, yeah, right. of course not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I actually think it's fair to say that church growth should be normal. Mm -hmm. You know, normally as the gospel is preached, as the saints are faithful, God would be kind to add to that, to their number.
1: I think probably the last thing that we're saying is you should be, oh, what's the, okay? You should be... What's the word I'm looking for, guys? Content. Content. There you go. That's really good. Maybe that's not the right word. Well, still at the same time, if your church is not growing, I don't think you should necessarily crucify yourself. Or try, or just drive yourself into the ground. And at the same time, there's a balance there because you don't want to be content. You you love our Lord Jesus. You love the church. You, you and you have a great desire for more people to come to the gospel. So don't just content yourself and just uh, and coast through things and be like, "Oh, TJ and Joe said my church isn't growing. It's okay." Right. Because
0: the goal is the advancement of Christ's kingdom. Right. That's what he sent his people out to do. To see the advancement of his kingdom. So we're bringing some
1: balance to this conversation is what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I think what happens so often is we we can have bad motivations. We can have feelings of jealousy about what we see happening in other churches. We can have um, this. You know, I I think there's it within congregations, sometimes a longing to grow just for the sake of growth. You know, like like it's an instinct. We want our church to grow. But you know what happens a lot when churches actually start to grow? They don't like it. They don't like it. They didn't really want it. They just wanted this idea. Yep. So when we think about church growth, we need to think about the advancement of Christ's kingdom, the the work of Jesus Christ in the world to save the lost, to, to teach them to obey everything that he commanded through his people and then thereby to display his glory. In a way that's out of this world. See how I got us right back to Ephesians?
1: You sure did. And it was also an incredible segue to our next question. Mm. Why does my congregation desire or not desire growth? Yeah. And I think you hit on it. Why do they desire growth? And talking to real context and smaller churches and aging churches as well. One of the reasons why they might desire growth is so that they can still continue to go to church. Mm, that's true. <laughs> we want to grow so we can continue doing things the same way that we always have. Mm-hmm. And then when new people come in with new ideas and new ways of doing things, then you've got issues and problems. Yeah. And, and
0: that, that can, On both sides of that, that can put a lot of pressure on a pastor because he can get into this position where the church hired him because they want the church to grow, but then they don't really want him to change things. Right. And now he's stuck. He's frustrated the people who are there and new people aren't coming in, and he feels like, I don't know what to do. So you start to wonder, well, is it my preaching? Am am I preaching too long? Am I preaching too boring? Uh, Is it the kids' ministry? You know, we really don't have anything for the kids. Is it the fact that this building looks like – The 1970s threw up all over it and, you know, it's just dated or it's messy. Is it because of the fact that, you know, we don't have a mission statement? And so you read all these books about mission statements and you can start to go down that road in your head and lose sight of what the purpose of the church actually is. This is God's creation, something he's built himself that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. It's something he's constructing on a foundation that we've seen all throughout the scriptures jesus christ himself being the cornerstone held together by all the members so it's this it is this organism that jesus is growing but that does not necessarily mean that you're going to see numeric addition to to that thing
1: you might be the one who's planning somebody miles might be the one that comes along and waters and sees the increase in the fruit there Mm. so if we're not like
0: running after church growth what is it that we should ultimately be pursuing instead
1: It's a rhetorical question to Josh and I.
0: Yeah, well, it's a real question to Josh and you. Real rhetorical.
1: Really rhetorical. So, I mean, what would we say to the listener? I know? mean, I, the reason why I wasn't answering is because I had so many questions, so many answers. We want to see the glory of Jesus spread. You are the answer, man. <laughs> we we want to see more people come to faith yeah. and become baptized and, and, and be taught the same things that Jesus had taught. We want to be obedient to our Lord. Because he said, "This is what you are to to go and do." Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that I didn't have an answer. Is that we had, there's lots of great answers in Scripture.
0: Yeah, that's right. It, it makes me think of you know what's the end game here, and I think about well, how will I actually be judged? Mm-hmm. You know, what is what is the Lord going to hold me accountable <laughs> to here? Yeah. And I thought about First Peter five, um, says, "So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder." And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So there's a future focus uh, in this thing. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, the focus here is on the flock that's among you. That that should be the primary focus of the shepherd, not the people who might come. Now, if you're faithfully shepherding, you're going to have a component to your ministry that urges the saints to call others to come to Christ, to be baptized, and to, to come in as members of the church. That's there. But the fruit of that isn't, isn't even part of what's being measured here. What's being measured is your faithfulness to shepherd that flock who God has has already given you, knowing that it's God who adds to the number, uh, knowing that you're supposed to exercise oversight in this thing. That's something to think about as well. You have leadership responsibilities. Rather than thinking about how do I respond to all these challenges and how do we get people in the door, you need to think about how do I lead these people from where they are to where Christ wants
1: them to be. Because there will be a reward, right? Mm -hmm. I think it is simple and profound and also normative because not only did Peter have that great motivation, but so did Paul. Yeah, This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, each one's work will become manifest. Mm. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And he's talking, to, I think he's talking primarily about Bible teachers and pastors and elders here. If the work that anyone has done has built on the foundation survives, he will rec- will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, as but only one through the fire. And what he's talking about is the thing that he's being called to is to lay down that gospel foundation that's built on Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, that's right, absolutely. So,
0: to, to our rural pastor friends, I think the heart of what you should be hearing is press on, brothers. Trust the Lord with the growth. Don't get distracted by what you wish were happening in your church that isn't happening. This is the flock that the Lord has entrusted to you. Care for them, lead them, love them. The
1: same Holy Spirit that was in Paul and Peter is in you. Mm, amen. And you were called to the same work.
0: And and the work you're doing is is important. Even if you don't feel like it has the kind of res- results you wish you were seeing by way of growth, the labor is worth it and your reward is not more people in the door. In fact, when you stand before Jesus, others have said that you're going to be quite convinced that you had plenty of people that you're being held accountable for. But when you stand before Jesus, your chief shepherd appears, the one that you've been serving as an under shepherd underneath, you're going to be so filled with joy and thankfulness for what he's done and used you for that you're not going to care a lick about the number of people in attendance in the church in that moment. It won't, won't even be
1: on your mind. So let's let's now take that and let's move into some application, though, too, because there possibly could be ways in which uh, our brothers out there, like us in this room, uh, can improve. Mm, that's true.
0: So, yeah, don't you know assume that everything's just fine. You should constantly evaluate. So, you you could ask yourself, "Am I somehow hindering growth?" So, yeah, maybe think about your preaching. Could you be more clear and engaging? Maybe think about the building. And are there some things that we could, as good stewards, update or care for that would make this a place that is welcoming?
1: Maybe think about your emphasis as well. Is your emphasis – I I would echo both of the things that you had said, but I would pour into individuals. Yeah, right. right. That's good. Right. Just pour into – Choose one or two other men in that congregation and pour into them on a regular weekly basis. Show them that, uh, that they matter to you, that you love them, that learning more and more about our Lord Jesus is important and discipling them. Right, That's, that's I think, an emphasis that we often miss as pastors because we're kind of uh, concerned about that big, broad net. But don't just pour into anybody. Pour into somebody that can pour into somebody else. That's right. Faithful men who will pour into faithful men and trust it to
0: faithful men. Um, yeah, so check your emphasis. Check things like, is your
1: church friendly? Maybe everyone thinks your church is friendly and you're really not. Maybe they're friendly to people who look like them when they come in, mm-hmm. but if they're Flatlanders, they're not necessarily as friendly. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Every region has their version of a Flatlander. This is true. Yeah. Uh, And then
0: maybe, you know, you truly don't have anything for kids and the nursery is dusty and stale because nobody's been in there a long time. You know, maybe you really on a Sunday, you treat the service like it's routine and you're not expecting the Lord to work and you should be expecting the Lord. I mean, just brothers, think about your approach think about some ways that maybe you can improve but don't make it for the sake of if i do this the church will grow make it for the sake of christ is worthy of my attention to these matters and i want to do this as excellently as i can for his glory
1: amen and amen with that
0: we are going to compliment josh on dressing so studly i think somebody might say uh Oh, no, I forgot the word. Well, I don't know the the complimentary word, but it's about your drip. Oh, my. Yeah. Somebody might say something about your drip,
1: Josh. Well, I'm humbled and honored (laughs) to think that someone in the Gen Z world would call
0: my drip nice. And they would not even notice that you wore the same thing twice this week. (laughs) (laughs) Secrets out. Yes, that's right.
1: Even the little polo pony on your sweater matches your pants. Indeed. Hey, let's knock <laughs> this
0: out of the park with a quote. What do you say? Please. Tozer, the spiritual bulldozer, said, It is not what we do that matters, but what a sovereign God chooses to do through us. Yay and verily. Hey, I wanted to point out one more thing before we go. Josh will drop this link in the show notes. There is a Nine Marks article by Mark Dever called uh, Biblical Church Growth, and he goes through 1 Thessalonians 3, and talks about what we should be expecting to see grow in the church. So I wanted to leave you with that because there's a lot more meat on the bone, and that would be an excellent resource because there should be an increase, and there should be a more and more, but it doesn't have to do with numbers of people in the seats. So there's a little preview. Go check out that link that Josh will provide. And thank you for being here. Thanks, guys. And
1: raise your Ebenezer.
0: Thanks for being here for Rural Pastors Talk. Josh, if people want to find out more about our little country jingle, what should they do?
1: Uh, I don't know about the jingle, but if they want to learn more about the podcast, they can email us at ruralpastorstalk at gmail.com, or they can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ruralpastorstalk.
0: Which you check every 30 minutes. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> but I check it weekly. There you go. He checks it weekly. And uh, we long to hear from you. Hey, would you do us a favor, too? Would you just email us to say hi? If we haven't met you, we would love to know who's listening. We got a number of hey, what's up emails
1: a couple weeks ago. That was really encouraging. Yeah.
0: So say, hey, what's up, Josh? And ask for a picture of his outfit. I'm going to take a picture right now of Josh sitting in his chair. And uh, smile, Josh. There it is. And... Yeah, you can. He will email you that picture if you call. If you email an signed, for it. he'll sign it. He will sign it. Yes, and there's a lion right above his head, which you may be interested in seeing. That Joe's mother painted.
1: <laughs> that matches your pants too.
0: It does. All right. Bye bye.
1: Later.